Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, the Flyers are coming off probably their biggest dud of the season. Um, they had been very good going into that game, but 4 nothing loss to the Flames, their first shutout loss of the season. And now another big week ahead for the team. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Overall, what did you think of that Flames loss? Um, Did you feel like it was almost getting to that point where we were going to see a a letdown from the team, just given how well they had played up to that point? Yeah, I think they were due. And, you know, there's 82 games in a season. They're on a a, a West Coast swing. They won the first two games. Um, We don't want to think this, but human instinct might take over at some point and say, well, hey, we already got the first two games of this trip. We're kind of playing with house money at this point. Um, You would hope the team doesn't think that way. And I'm sure the coaches and players would never admit that they think this way. But as I said, it's it's sometimes human instinct is just a a thing that happens. And um, what I will say is this, though. When the the Flyers play – when you continue to play with fire, you're going to get burned. And the discipline continues – to be a fire that the Flyers are playing with almost on a game-by-game basis, um, taking penalties. And in this game, you know, it caught up to them. They, uh, you know, they were on the penalty kill a good amount, as they had been um, in a number of the previous games. And, you know, it it seemed to catch up to them. I mean, you're, you're going to wear yourself out if you're killing penalties as much as they have been. And, you know, that's – I watching the game, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, th- this is, this is going to come back to bite them at some point. You can't, yeah. you can't keep playing this way. Um, so maybe that's lesson learned. And if so, it's good it happened this early in the season that, you know, you, you just have to clean up some of the discipline, some of the penalties and – AV said it after the game that taking penalties 200 feet from your own net. I mean, these are penalties. Whenever you hear a coach say reference to 200 feet from your own net, you know, those are penalties that that the coach is really unhappy with. So I definitely got that impression from AV after the game. And I I would say this week, um, you're going to see them. You're likely going to see a much more disciplined flyers team. Uh, and these these games coming up against Arizona and uh, and Pittsburgh the next two. Yeah, entering uh, Monday morning, they lead the league in penalty minutes per game. Now, some of that may be skewed from that crazy cracking game, uh, but they also had 37 penalties taken, which is pretty high. Uh, too many penalties. Some may not be all on them. Some may be some ticky-tack officiating, but – at the end of the day, yeah, you will get burned by penalties. And it felt like that was starting to brew and it would eventually boil over uh, when you're kind of – yeah, you're really playing with fire when you're committing penalties like that against the Oilers and some of these really good teams, the, the Panthers. 
and, and it kind of came back to bite him against the Flames. That's for sure. The first two game, first two goals of that game were power play goals. I mean, Carhartt was playing really well, and the Flyers were giving themselves a chance, but they committed penalties, and eventually the Flames cracked them on the power play. And it's a two nothing game at that point in the third period. Power play goals, and and at that point, felt like the game was over. Joe, did you think the Flyers looked sluggish and tired? I, I just felt like – I really felt like this game really was due for for a letdown. And you don't want to think like that. You want to win every game. It's not like, hey, we're playing well, so now is a decent time to lose one. Like, that's – you don't think like that. Like, great teams don't think like that, and I'm not saying the Flyers were. But when you look at the big picture, they're playing the third game in four nights on this road trip. They already won the first two games of this road trip. They didn't have Ryan Ellis. Um, they just looked tired and flat, and and it felt like this was going to come, especially given the Flames are rolling. The Flames are now 6-1-1, and one, a pretty good team, coming off a five-game winning streak. All five games on the road, they come home, and they get the Flyers. It just felt like this was maybe a time for a loss, and, and lo and behold, it was. Yeah, um, it's interesting because the Flames just came off a long road trip, and yeah. when, when a team comes off a long road trip uh, – particularly when they were on the East coast for a lot of it. Um, they go back home. A lot of times that's the team that starts the game sluggish. Yeah. I, I didn't really see that from Calgary the other night, but what I did see is that the flyers had no ability to get anything going in, in the offensive zone. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were <laughs> to use a hockey cliche. They, the ice seemed tilted the entire <laughs> game, all yeah. 60 minutes. It seemed like it was tilted because, I mean, if you think about that game, you you it's you really come up small if you try to think of a, a a really good scoring opportunity that the Flyers had in the entire game. They really didn't generate anything offensively. Um, now, when you're taking penalties and you're chasing the game, that tends to happen. You mentioned the other factors, three games and four nights. You're on a road trip. You already won the first two. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm sure some human instinct uh, creeps in it at some point. But um, I, I was – it was a little little bit concerning that they just could not get anything going. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked in the postgame show uh, about Jacob Markstrom in that game and you know, he had a second straight shutout, but I, I was thinking this might have been as easy, the easiest shutout I've ever seen a goalie get because he wasn't really tested the entire game. So um, let's hope. I mean, I, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but Arizona is the right team to play yeah. uh, coming home, um, maybe as a get right game. Um, I believe they're still winless on the season. Yeah. Um, which that in itself is a little bit scary, but. Um, you know, I think we'll 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 see a rejuvenated Flyers team that comes out of the uh, out of the gate storming um, tomorrow night. Yes. Yeah, a very good opportunity for a get right game. The Coyotes are 0-8 and one, um, really just kind of spiraling, and the Flyers come home where uh, they we believe they'll play pretty well this season. So, but then you know the schedule certainly turns up uh, with the Capitals and the Penguins. So a really good week for the Flyers. Uh, our first really glimpse, Joe, at a divisional play for the Flyers. So that will be very inter interesting. So, yeah, the Coyotes on Tuesday, the Penguins on Thursday, and the Capitals on Saturday. The 
the back half of that, the Penguins and Capitals, those games are on the road. So it will be good challenges. And Joe, just how formidable has this division looked so far? It's I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, Flyers are off to a really good start. And then I peek at the standing standings at the Metropolitan Division and everyone's off to a pretty good start in that division. Right. And, and you think, wow, they're off to a pretty good start. And you look at the standings and they're in fifth place. Yeah. And the team that's right ahead of them is Columbus. So I don't think anybody considered to even be a factor in this division this year. Um, the, the Capitals have had injury problems. They haven't lost a game yet. Um, the, I think everybody figured the Carolina Hurricanes to be good. Uh, Rod, Rod Brindamore really seems to have things rolling there, and they're, uh, they're atop the division. Um, the other one that stands out to me is the Rangers. Um, they, the assets that they've collected over the last few years have kind of concerned me. Um, they're a young, up-and-coming team, and it looks like so far that they're kind of putting it together and – I'll tell you, Adam Fox has become one of the best defensemen in this in the NHL. Yeah. He just piles up points. He really and and he makes their power play very scary. Um, and he was scary against the Flyers last year. We saw, you know, the, the Flyers had some rough games against the Rangers last season. Um, and this team seems to be even more formidable. So, um, and that's not even to mention Pittsburgh, who's currently in the basement of the division. And Sidney Crosby's only played one game for them. Of course, we'll see them later this week against the Flyers. So the teams at the bottom at the bottom of the division are some of the teams you expect to be at the top when we get to um, March and April. And that that's a scary prospect. This division is going to be uh, it's going there's not going to be any nights off in this division, and that's why um, you know. You have to avoid the pitfalls and the stuff we talked about on so far on this uh, episode, the, the human um, instinct and the sort of take the foot off the gas pedal stuff when you're on a road trip and you already got, you've already gotten a couple wins because on nights when you're not getting wins, there are other teams in the division that are getting wins. For example, uh, so the Flyers lose to Calgary and then the Rangers uh, they won on Friday night at home. They went out to Seattle and got another win last night. So, you know, it's somebody's going to be getting points. So you can't, I mean, and it's the old hockey cliche, the two points in November or October, as it was this past weekend, count just as much as the ones you earn in March and April. So um, the Flyers want to avoid as much as they can things and games like the one that happened in Calgary on Saturday. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices in all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Joe, just looking at the goal differentials, too, in the Metropolitan Division, the worst goal differential in the division is the Devils, and they're at even. They're at zero. Uh, I'm, I'm, excuse me. The worst goal differential in the division is the Islanders. They're at minus one. And then the Devils are second to worst at zero. Everyone else is in the positives. It's just you look at other divisions across the NHL, a lot of teams are in the minus goal differentials, or they at least one division probably has a team that's maybe like the Coyotes, <laughs> like looking for their first win or only one or two wins. Um, not the Metropolitan Division. The division is legit. Yeah, and, and just looking up and down at this division, as, as you said, um, when I, I know New Jersey is an up-and-coming team. As we mentioned, the Rangers have an up-and-coming team. I mean, if you go went into the season, the only team that I would say was definitely not a playoff team was Columbus, and they are currently sitting ahead of the Flyers. Yeah. Uh, the Devils would be the second team I would say or that would most likely not be a playoff team. And they're currently tied with the Flyers with nine points. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, the Devils have have up-and-coming players and they, they made moves in free agency. They went out and got Dougie Hamilton. Um, you know, they're not – I'm not saying that they're a pushover either. So, uh, I could realistically see every team in this – there's not any team in this division that I would say would surprise me except for Columbus if they made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's scary because if you look around the league, I think the Metro is the only division where you can say that. Mm -hmm. Um, You, 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 the other divisions in the NHL, you have teams where you're like, okay, other teams are going to pile up points and wins against those teams. There are no, as I said, there are no pushovers in, in this division. Um, and that's, that means you have to have, you have to have it going every night and you have to be ready to play and expect, um, a team's best effort every night. And when you get into divisional play and, you know, the way, the way that the NHL does this schedule now, there's a lot of these Western conference games early in the season, which means later in the season, there's almost exclusively division games and, that's going to be quite a race to the finish because um, it, 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 it won't be easy. This is, this is by far the toughest division in the NHL. Yeah. Joe, looking at some lineup matters, we can get, uh, we can touch on the defense and Ryan Ellis. Obviously Ellis has missed four straight games with an injury and the Flyers are hoping he can get back in the lineup this week. Uh, but looking at the forward groups, I have a feeling Nicholas Albe Cudell is going to enter the lineup. I think on Tuesday, I, um, he has sat the last two games. The Flyers went with uh, Patrick Brown, Zach McEwen, and Nate Thompson on their fourth line. McEwen seemed like a good guy to play in those games. He, you know, he was a former Canuck, so he played his former team. It's always a nice thing to get a guy in against his former team. Sometimes they get up for those games, mean something to them. And then he 
played against the Flames, a team that he's played against a lot in his career too. Thought it made sense to play McHugh in there. They wanted to see Patrick Brown. And Nicholas Obi-Kubel hasn't been great. He's com- he's committed some penalties. It's kind of given us a reminder of what he did last season. But I think McEwen will come out. It's just, it's just my gut instinct. I think McEwen will come out to start this uh, this week, and they'll get Nicholas Obi-Kubel back in there. A good chance to get him back in. But what have you thought about the play of the fourth line and, and where things could shake out moving forward there? Well, yeah, I, I would agree with you that they'll, they will likely make that lineup change. And, and you know, it's no no knock or anything on Zach McEwen's play. I mean, he really injected life into the, into the team the other night with that fight and, you know, sticking up for teammates and all those sorts of things that you'd like to see, particularly out of fourth-line players. And then uh, Nate Thompson had that, that rush the other night. And unfortunately, the end of the rush – turned into a goal the other direction, but um, he went end to end and kind of did one of those drag moves where he tried to drag the puck past the defenseman and shot the puck just wide. And I didn't know he had that in his bag of tricks. Uh, So I was, I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see him uh, pull that off. And as I said, all in all, the puck ends up in the flyers net at the end of that sequence, but that was no fault of, Nate Thompson, you know, he was trying to do what he kept, could for his team. And, and you know, I, I think Nate has brought some energy to this lineup early in the season here. Um, he had a fight the one game. I mean, it's, he, he, you know, he, they're doing what the fourth line should do. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been happy with their play. Of course, we mentioned the Obey Kubel penalties, which has been a thing that is not new to anyone. So, um, but I do think he'll be back in the lineup um, but at least it, it was good to get a look at McEwen and Patrick Brown, as you said, because um, you want to know what you have depth-wise uh, with that fourth line. And I think the Flyers got to look at that, and they know they have some interchangeable parts down there in the lower part of their lineup. Indeed, and Patrick Brown was the original guy they got off of waivers, so I think they really want to get a look at him. He can play a little winger and center, real north-south, so I think they want to see him more. Nate Thompson, I don't envision coming out of the lineup until Kevin Hayes gets back. I think he's going to stick in. The team really likes him. The coaching staff really likes him. He could probably play less minutes. He could probably play fewer minutes than he has. But they that, that is one thing that, that stands out. And, and we talk about this when we're watching the games doing uh, pre and post. That It seems like he is on the ice a lot for a fourth <laughs> line. But, but um, it seems like A.V. likes when he, when he sees – when he likes the way his lower lines look, particularly the fourth line, um, he plays the more minutes. I mean, we remember last season, he, he would talk about Connor Bonneman's line when Bonneman was up with the team a lot, and they would play more minutes. So he really likes to roll four lines because I, you know, I found myself, um, I think it was the Vancouver games, looking at some of the guys that were on the ice very late in that game and thinking, it's interesting that that guy's on the, that the, that line is on the ice right now, but that's just the way he, he likes to roll. And when he's happy with the way they're playing, they play more. It's an effort-based system. His system is all effort-based, uh, north-south, four-check oriented. And in order to play that effort through a full game, you, you need to play four lines. So yes, you're going to play your top two more than your fourth, but you do need your fourth line because in order to have your top two at its best and playing that hard get after you system, you're going to need the fourth line to eat up some minutes. But 
they've also had to kill a lot of penalties. That's why Nate Thompson has played so much. And some of the other guys have is because Nate Thompson is a PKer who takes PK faceoffs, and they've had to kill so many penalties. Naturally his minutes are going to rise. So if they commit fewer penalties, Nate Thompson will be on the ice less, but he does a lot of things. The team likes uh, defensive zone draws, PK draws, uh, stuff of that nature. So I think whole stick. So it just makes sense. I think they'll get Nicholas. I'll be Kubella in here coming up. And Zach McEwen committed one of those bad penalties against the flames. He was in the, he was called for hooking in the offensive zone late in the game as they're trying to push. So I thought McEwen was fine too on the road trip. I didn't think he was like awful or anything, um, but he did commit that penalty. And I think it is time to get knack back in there, see what he can do. Uh, Joe closing us out, looking at some defensemen. I want to ask you about Ryan Ellis, but also Shane Gossespierre will be back in the house making his return with the Coyotes. But uh, Ryan Ellis has missed four straight games. I think we all know his importance. Um, if you can, touch on Ryan Ellis. And also uh, maybe what Shane Gossespierre did for you during his Flyers career uh, and as he comes back home. I think it'll be nice to see him. Yeah, um, so first off, I, I do think that this, as the games go on, the the Ellis being out of the lineup is more glaring. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. You know, I, I don't love the look of Rasmus Ristolainen on the power play. Um, I think the power play is, is a little stagnant right now without Ellis there. Um, so I think that, that that'll be, whenever he comes back, I think that will be a very noticeable addition there. And then just, you know, I, I feel like Ivan Provorov has struggled without Ellis in the lineup. Um, I, I really feel like Provorov is a player who feeds off the player that he plays next to. And, um, you know, they need him back. I mean, no, there's no team in the NHL that can just lose their number one defenseman and, have, and not be affected by it. Um, you know, and quite frankly, having not had him and looking at what their record is, if you would have said that before the season, okay, Ryan Ellis is going to miss – this many games early in the season and you're still going to have this record. Would you sign up for it? Anybody would. Um, so, you know, he will definitely, the Flyers need him, need to get him back soon. And hopefully that can happen. Uh, as far as Shane Gossespierre, I was always a fan. I always felt like the Flyers offensively were at their best when Shane Gossespierre was kind of running things, particularly on the power play. And I was looking at Arizona's lineup the other day. And they, of course, have Jacob Chikrin, who is a up-and-coming defenseman in this league. But I see that Shane Gostasbear is quarterbacking the number one power play for that, which is, I mean, that's what you would expect. And, um, you know, it shows you that, well, it shows you a couple of things. Arizona, they're, they don't have the greatest lineup, obviously, and their record shows it. Um, but it also shows you that, uh, they have a plan for Gostas Bear, and he they're going to play him to his strengths, and that is to run the top power play. And the Flyers were always at their best. Their power play was at the best when Shane Gostas Bear was on his game and running that top power play. So that'll be a familiar sight, hopefully not too familiar, and the Flyers don't take too many penalties Tuesday night when they play Arizona. But, um, but yeah, I, I was always a, a, a fan of Ghost. I really was, and, I mean, I know – I always said that he – I've never seen a player affected by high confidence or low confidence like Gostas Bear was. 
when he was a highly confident player, he was one of the best players on the ice and could drive the entire offense for the Flyers. But when he was a low-confidence player, there were games where he was a total liability on the ice. And that was the part of his game where sometimes it was too much to take. And we saw over the years a a number of healthy scratches um, from time to time when he was in those kind of ruts of not having his confidence high. Um, But overall, I I was a Shane Gostisbehere fan. And that season that he came up um, was one of the more memorable, memorable seasons in recent memory. And that was the case because of Shane Gostisbehere and not really any other reason. I mean, he came up and energized the team like few I've seen in, uh, in recent seasons with this, uh, with this franchise. Indeed. And it's impressive. He's leading the Coyotes in scoring right now with five points, all five assists. So that's, you know, good for him. Uh, obviously it's the Coyotes and they're 08 and one and they're, and they're looking for anything right now, but nonetheless, he is leading them in scoring. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I think he'll get a, a very nice ovation. I think he'll get a video tribute uh, as he should. Uh, I thought he was a really good flyer, did a lot of good things, was good in the community. Um, and I always enjoyed his honesty. He was always honest with us, the media, um, always took the time to talk to us, which I really appreciated. Um, good or bad, though, he was there to talk. And I always thought that was a real pro um, pro in him. And yet he did some really fun things. Like, Joe, you mentioned his rookie year the 17 goals, the point streak for a rookie defenseman. Um, and then obviously he had the 65 point season. He was an exciting player that gave, I think Flyers fans some really fun memories, um, especially when he came up uh, really battled injuries. Uh, and a, a guy that was really affected by confidence so much so that he would admit to us when he was, when he was battling confidence issues, he was very honest with us about that. His game was driven on confidence and he would tell us that and, uh, always appreciated his honesty. Good guy, good player. Um, and yeah, wishing the best in Arizona. Uh, I hope they can start winning some games. I can only imagine what it's like for a player in his first year with a new team after being with the one team his entire career, going to a new place and, and dealing with the issues Arizona is dealing with right now. That can't be easy, but uh, that is, you know, that's life in the NHL. Sometimes it's, it's not easy. So uh, good guy, good player. But yeah, Joe, it's uh, the, the Flyers will have to get Ryan Ellis back. I think we all know his importance. Um, you're seeing guys kind of play out of position right now because he's not there. Uh, I'm with you. I don't love Rasmus Ristolainen on the power play. I think he can do it, but um, I, I think he's more of a guy that you wanted even strength and killing some penalties. Uh, when Ryan Ellis is back, Rasmus Ristolainen will not be playing on the power play. Um, Justin Braun will not be playing on the top defensive pair. Braun's been good, but he is older too. I think he's much more slotted as a third-line guy right now with Keith Yandel. Right now, he's playing next to Ivan Provorov because Ryan Ellis is out. So, we all know Ryan I will say, just to follow up on your point about Braun, I would say if you looked at Braun in the Vancouver and the Edmonton game and then looked at him in the Calgary game, he looked like two different players. And I think this is what happens when you have a guy that should be on your third D pair, uh, second D pair maybe, but that's playing out of position. He looked a step slow. Um, he, he was he was out of position a number of times in that game against Calgary. Whereas if you go back to the first game of the road trip against Edmonton, I mean, he's out there against McDavid's line and he's hanging with McDavid in the corner. And quite frankly, um, we talked about this on pre and post and uh, maybe even on the last podcast, I think at worst, Justin Braun was the third best player on the entire Flyers team in that Edmonton game. 
but the cumulative effect of having to play more minutes um, for a guy at bronze age with as many games under his belt, I think you saw that catch up to him a little bit in the Calgary game. And, you know, that's why when one of those dominoes is out of place, everything else is, you know, you, you feel like something could tumble at any point. And, um, you know, I, the, the Flyers need to get, get things back to, back to good. Again, Arizona is a good team for that, um, but more so on the health front, um, they really need Ryan Ellis back in this lineup. Indeed. And uh, we'll see if he can go Tuesday. I think it's a realistic possibility that he could, according to uh, the two Inquirer reporters uh, in Calgary, uh, Olivia Reiner and Gianna Hahn. Uh, Ryan Ellis did skate on Saturday, uh, so he was at morning skate, and that was a good sign. Uh, perhaps they just decided, hey, let's get you this final game here in the road trip to sit out we'll have you ready for Tuesday or at least some point this week. So it sounds like he's trending in the right direction, but clearly this injury has been nagging him. It has lingered, not the way the Flyers thought it would. Uh, so they're trying to address it and get him back on the ice, but big week ahead for the Flyers. Uh, as we noted games on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, uh, you can catch them all on NBC sports, Philadelphia with Joe Fordyce directed pregame live postgame live. And uh, Taryn Hatcher will have it with you as well. And of course, yeah. And uh, just a note on, on this week, we have a couple mystery guests um, this week for you uh, to talk about. Um, well, one of them is to, we'll talk about the upcoming alumni game, which is one of the biggest the Flyers have ever held. Um, should be a great event coming up. And uh, one of our mystery guests this week will be playing in that game, and he'll talk about that. That'll that'll be on Tuesday, and then we have another one on Thursday that we're pretty excited about. So. Um, should be a good week of uh, good week of shows. I love it, Joe. Yeah, catch that all out this week on Flyers pregame live. Uh, good week of hockey ahead, and we'll see uh, more and more what the Flyers are made of uh, as we go forward here. Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as always. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. We will do this again later this week. Uh, a big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer. Big thank you to Ben and Flyers fans as always. Thank you for listening to the Flyers Talk podcast presented by great railing wherever you get your podcast please rate and listen and we cannot wait to talk to you next time